Welcome to the first episode of Impact Medicom's podcast series on immunotherapy for head and neck squamous cell carcinomas. Our host for this episode is Impact Medicom's Sarah Desette. In this episode, we welcome Dr. Matthew Cecchini, an anatomical pathologist at London Health Sciences Centre and assistant professor in the Department of Oncology at Western University in London, Ontario. Dr. Cecchini specializes in pulmonary, head and neck, and molecular pathology. His research interests include the application of digital and machine learning tools in pathology. This episode focuses on PDL1 testing as a predictive biomarker for immunotherapy in head and neck squamous cell carcinomas. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, listeners. Today, we are discussing predictive biomarkers for immunotherapy in head and neck squamous cell carcinomas. So we have invited pathologist Matt Cicchini to the podcast to share his insights on the topic. So welcome, Matt. Hi, thanks for, thanks for inviting me. So can you start us off by telling us a bit about your background in pathology and what made you choose this path? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm a pathologist. Um, I like to tell people that uh, I write short stories about microscopic things. So I uh, spend my days looking down the microscope and putting together pathology reports. And a big part of what we do in pathology is, is doing biomarker testing now. The kind of what drew me to pathology was I've always been interested in asking some of the why questions. And um, in pathology, it's something I get to do on a daily basis where I get to study disease under the microscope to try and better understand it and develop better ways to get better treatments for our patients. So how has the role of the pathologist evolved over the past five years in the management of head and neck cancers? Yeah, so head and neck cancer, similar to many other cancers, is really moving a lot more towards biomarker testing. And we're seeing a lot more molecular tools being applied to these tumors as well as other tumor types. And it's largely being driven by the fact that we have new therapies for these patients, which is a great thing. And pathology plays a key role in identifying the biomarkers and reporting the biomarkers to help guide those treatment decisions for the patients. I know uh, one of the important biomarkers now in head and neck cancers is PDL1. Can you tell us a bit about how PDL1 testing in head and neck squamous cell carcinoma is different from other tumor sites? We do a lot of PDL1 testing for different indications, and head and neck cancers is one of them. So we do it for squamous cell carcinomas. And there's a few different ways to score PDL1. So in the lung cancers, we use something called a tumor proportion score or TPS. And that's a very simple score. It's just the proportion of tumor cells that are positive for PDL1. I should maybe take a step back for a second. And so PDL1, we test for it by using an immunohistochemistry test. So we stain the actual tissue sections with an antibody that recognizes PDL1. And then we have to determine the number of cells that are positive. And the cells that are positive, the way they look under the microscope is they have this brown um, staining around their membrane. So they have these little lines outlining cells. And any positivity counts. And so even really weak, faint staining, we actually have to count. So we, we do spend a fair bit of time looking at it in depth to find those positive cells. And so in lung cancer, it's this TPS score. But in head and neck squamous cell carcinoma, we actually use a different score. It's called CPS. And so in, in this CPS score, we not only count the positive tumor cells, but we also count the positive immune cells. So our numerator of our, our score is the positive tumor cells plus the positive immune cells. And our denominator is the total tumor cells. And then we multiply it by 100. So it's actually not a percent. So um, the TPS is a percent. The CPS is not a percent. It's a score because it actually is not a, it can be greater than 100. And so that, that actually sounds kind of 
Um, it sounds easy the way I'm saying it, but it's actually pretty hard, right? Because it's actually hard to wrap your head around it. Just visually estimating the number of positive tumor cells plus positive immune cells. It's a little bit harder and especially harder because the immune cells are a lot smaller than the tumor cells. And so visually, it's a challenging task where you're trying to estimate the number of, of smaller immune cells plus the larger tumor cells. And in the score, that's not really truly a, a proportion. And so it's something that takes a lot of time. And if we were actually to count all, all the cells across the slide, there some, can sometimes be millions. And uh, you know, I've done some back-of-the-envelope calculations, and, and on a, a representative biopsy would probably take me over 35 hours to actually count all the cells on the slide. So what we basically do is we get really good at, at recognizing what these scores look like visually under the microscope, and then we're able to give a score in, uh, for the CPS. And now I actually want to go back a little bit. I know we're talking about the importance of pdl one testing. Why is pdl one an important biomarker in head and neck cancers? The oncologists will use our pdl one score in order to guide which patients will be candidates for immunotherapy. And so we typically report the CPS score in ranges, so less than 1, 1 to 19, and then greater than 20 for head and neck. And, and that, that score, those cutoffs range for different disease sites, but that's typically what most people use in head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. And then based on where the, the tumor falls, then they will, then that'll help guide their decision-making process for immunotherapy. And I know you described it, it can take a bit, kind of a, a lot of time to do the, the PDL1 testing. Can you describe a bit like the workflow that is used for PDL1 testing at your institution? We either do this testing upfront or we, we do it on, on request. And then so once we then um, realize that PDL1 is indicated, then we will basically cut an additional section off the tissue block of, that has a representative tumor in it. We need to have a minimum of 100 tumor cells in order to score it. And so if there's a really small biopsy, we have less than 100 tumor cells, that would be not adequate. And then the, the, the blank slides are stained with uh, PD-L1. The antibody that we use is 22C3. PD-L1 is actually a little bit complex because there's a whole bunch of different antibody clones that have all been uh, developed and are companion diagnostics with different, um, with different drugs. The ones that we use here and the one that's currently funded um, by in Ontario is this 22C3 antibody. And so that's the one that we use. But um, it's important to, to recognize that there's different antibody clones um, because you, you can't just directly transfer the results of one to the other. And so that's important when you're designing and considering therapies. So there'll be stain in our lab. So we have an automated staining platform that uses the DACO system here. And then basically, then the slide gets delivered to my mailbox, and then uh, um, and I still, as you can see, my back. Oh, I guess you can't see because it's, it's there's no uh, visual. This is audio only. But in my background, yeah, I actually have an analog microscope, and so I'm um, just distinct from radiology. Uh, um, we still have a very much an analog workflows, um, so I still use a light microscope, just like uh, pathologists did 100 years ago. They could probably still use my microscope, except now instead of a, a candle or a flame. Lighting the microscope, I actually have an LED light bulb. So that's really the only reason it's different. And then I look at the cell under the, my light microscope and estimate the number of positive cells and give a PDL1 score. And do you have internal metrics at your institution for the turnaround time for the testing? Yes, yeah, so we, we try and do this as quickly as possible because um, we know that this is um, critical for, for um, treatment decisions. And so we actually run PDL1 twice a week here. And uh, because it's run on a separate stainer, um, just uh, because of it, that's the one it's approved on. And so uh, we try and report these out as soon as it's stained. So they typically go out Mondays and Thursdays. And of course, you, you want to get the test out as quickly as possible. Is there any way the pathology department can help to optimize testing turnaround further? Yeah, definitely. And, and I think it's um, 
realizing uh, the, the importance of this testing and maybe kind of getting ahead of it sometimes. And so when we recognize that a, a specific patient may be a candidate and be eligible for this treatment and they meet the indications for PDL one testing is to go in and reflex testing, uh, test that. So an example would be if we get a case of a metastatic uh, squamous cell carcinoma from the head and neck that's gone somewhere else like the lungs or the liver. Those cases uh, in my practice, I tend to just start right away because I know that they're going to need that for treatment. And then there's other things you can do is that um, you can, uh, in, in consult cases and things like that, you can cut additional slides and have those ready. That can be a bit of an issue because you have to use the slides within six months. The kit is very specific on some of the guidelines around testing. And one thing is the slides have to have been cut um, six months. And so, but the, the, those are some, some of the things that we can do to kind of optimize this, this testing and ensure that it gets done in a timely manner. So is there anything surgeons and medical oncologists can also do to kind of help with your workflow efficiency? So in contrast to lung cancer, where in Canada, we actually test all the patients with lung, lung cancer for PDL one In head and neck cancer, the indication is only in patients who have some metastatic or unresectable or recurrent disease. And uh, we don't always know that information in pathology. And so if the, the, the surgeon or the oncologist who is submitting the biopsy requesting the biopsy, if they could provide us with that information um, right away um, when we receive it, that would really help us ensure that we do pdl one testing up front in all the patients who need it. We just don't sometimes have that uh, information available to us when we're reporting cases. So in patients with recurrent or metastatic disease, is it preferred to do pdl one testing on the archived specimen from the initial diagnosis or specimens from new biopsies? That's a great question, actually, um, and because uh, pdl one can be variable. You can have a difference from your initial um, primary tumor and then different to your recurrent tumor. And, and it can also be, it can also change after therapy. So if they've had therapy in between there, that can also change it. So typically I perform it on the most recent specimen, as long as there's sufficient tissue that's there. because so that's probably most reflective of the disease that is there than doing on the, the very initial resection. Does doing it on new biopsy kind of impact the process and turnaround time? Well, it can be a little bit quicker, especially if we know that uh, they need it uh, right away because we'll just do that reflexly. Sometimes for older specimens, we actually have to retrieve them from off-site. Um, so we're similar to most pathology labs in that once a specimen's over a certain age, we actually put it to an off-site storage facility. And so um, that can actually add to the turnaround time having to retrieve the slides and the blocks from our off-site storage facility. And so to end our discussion, can you give us kind of your key takeaways on the importance of pdl one testing in head and neck squamous cell carcinomas? And- how biomarker testing for immunotherapy might be improved in the future. Yeah, definitely. So um, PDL one I think, is really important, but it can also be a very challenging biomarker for pathology. So in head and neck squamous cell carcinoma, we do a CPS score, which can take some time in order to do it accurately because it's a complex test that requires us to assess both the tumor cells as well as the surrounding uh, tumor-associated inflammatory cells that are positive. And uh, the real thing that can help us in pathology is to help us uh, identify those patients who need this testing up front so that we can ensure to order this testing in a timely way and report as quickly as possible so that there's no delays in treatment. I think this is a really exciting space in the future. So as I mentioned, um, you know, I'm, I'm currently an analog pathologist with my analog microscope, but we're really moving towards a digital world. And so pathology is really at this inflection point as we're moving from these analog to digital workflows. And because we're we now have the ability to scan and digitize a lot of our slides. And as that increase becomes commonplace, that's going to really open up our pathways to using image analysis tools and machine learning algorithms that can really help us with some of these scoring systems. And so 
they're going to really help us do this more efficiently, quickly, and potentially more, give more precise measurements of these scores. As I mentioned, it would take me 35 hours to actually count every cell on the slide, but I have an um, image analysis algorithm that can do this you know, in 30 seconds, right? And so I think this is really the power and the, the future and a lot of the excitement in pathology is that can we capture on these novel technological tools to really help and improve the reporting for PDL one and other biomarkers. Thanks. That's a great summary and uh, exciting looking forward to how things pan out in the future. So I want to thank you again, Matt, for joining us on today's episode and take care. Thanks. Bye.